listening to the TBL Podcast with the Commish. All right, welcome to another podcast. Today we've got the silent assassin, the winner, Ashley Allenson. You don't know too much about him, but today you're going to learn a lot about him. Welcome to the TBL Podcast, Ashley Allenson. What's up? Glad to be here. Yes, guys. How are you liking the podcast so far? Episodes have been great. You know, uh, lots of history of the league, lots of years uh, on, and uh, you know, you're racking up the years with the guys you're speaking to first. There's a lot of Burby history there. It's great. Right. We got we got to show the foundation. I get all these younger guys saying, hey, man, put me on your podcast. It's like, no, no, you need to respect your elders and learn about the game first and how it was brought up. And then I'll talk to the younger guys. So let's talk about growing up yourself. You know, you, you play baseball in Toronto, right? Yeah, I'm a Toronto guy. Uh, played baseball. Uh, you know, I started playing baseball at Greenwood. Uh, I went to Franklin, which is on the Danforth for school. And I just remember this guy coming and like recruiting a bunch of the kids I played softball with to play at Greenwood. And that was my first taste of baseball, which was really cool. And then, uh, you know, we moved and I started playing baseball at, uh, at North Toronto at Eglinton Park. But uh, I got to say, no disrespect to, to them, but there were like nine coaches on that team and, and everybody's kid was playing. So um, I moved over to, to East York. Um, and so I was playing baseball at East York and then playing baseball at high school. And so there was lots of ball kind of growing up uh, in my teens. And uh, it was really great. East York was, was awesome. The, the coaching was really good. And, and there wasn't a parent around being a coach at all. So it was all based kind of on merit. And uh, it was great. I still have buddies uh, from those days that I, that I speak to on a regular basis. So um, yeah. As, as a young kid, you knew you had the talent and you're like, I don't want these parents telling me what to do. Uh, and so what did you play? Were you, were you first base? Like what, what was your main thing? What was your position? Uh, it was interesting. I kind of moved around a little bit. And then when I kind of became uh, more of a man, I suppose, and put on some muscle, I, I just started pitching. I started pitching in high school and that translated really well to, uh, to pitching at East York. And then I went to, uh, to university and played baseball there too, and always pitched. So it was interesting when I became a pitcher, they kind of took the bat away because we had a DH and they wanted me to focus on, on pitching. And that's kind of the complete opposite of my Burby career. Uh, you know, I always kind of was just a, a hitter and, and not much of a pitcher, but that was kind of the, the, the opposite of, of me playing baseball growing up. So it was kind of, well, how, how, when did Burby come in? Was it sort of filtered in, in between baseball or did it come after baseball? Yeah, that's a good question. So we would we would play Burby with our buddies whenever we weren't playing baseball. You know, it would kind of keep us out of trouble. We'd play um, at Jackman on on the Danforth. And, uh, you know, our, we'd play with buddies from baseball who were really good at baseball. The field was super short. And so, um, you know, getting a, getting a hit off like Joe Callahan when he was 18, it, that was hard enough. And so having a, a fence that was only maybe 150 feet away wasn't much of a problem. It was maybe even shorter than that. Because it felt like you were getting a hit in baseball, and so we would um, we would play there. And you know, the guys that I meet in the league, it's cool. Everybody kind of had different rules growing up. I think even chatting with you, you guys had a different nuance to your game. And so we kind of built our Burby rules and our Burby uh, game around our friends' strengths and uh, and the park that we played in. So yes, uh, I know a lot of times guys will come in, they'll have their way of playing Burby. And, you know, it only takes one game for them to be like, really, that's a rule or really, that's not a rule. One thing in particular, I can remember with you, Ashley, is the uh, the ball bouncing in front of the pitcher. And if it spins 
back away from the pitcher, you still think you can get it. Whereas it's got to be forward progress with the ball, right? Yeah, yeah, that was a bit of a rule change for us. We played so many one-on-one uh, -on -one burby games that um, we would set it up so that the pitcher could catch the ball anywhere with any sort of spin because we didn't have an outfielder. So yeah, it was just it was just nuance, right? But I think the the TBL over the years that you guys have got it down, those rules now make sense to me, and I can't even remember the way we used to play. So right, I mean, listen, there still are some quirky rules that people are like, "Come on, like the the ball off the tree rule, you can get it for a triple, you can get it for an out." I get it; it's a little quirky, but uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that rule? Well, that's an interesting one because it's it's won us some games. It's 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 changed the course of a bunch of games. What I'll say to these quirky rules is that. Just when you think you've got everything covered, something comes out of the woodwork that we haven't thought of before, or, you know, some quirky rule comes into play in, you know, 99.9% .9 of the game is clean, and then there's some strange play. And so that kind of keeps it exciting, actually. So. Yeah, and a lot of times the quirky rules are brought up due to the location and the actual park that you're playing at. All right, so so you, let's get back to your history. You played Burby in, uh, let me get this straight, you played Burby in Halifax and Australia, is that correct? Uh, yeah, so I went to school in, in Halifax and played baseball uh, at university there. And uh, there was a place to play Burby right by our um, right by where I lived, like in the student uh, area there. And so we would go out and drink beer and play Burby there. And uh, we had a whole, it, it wasn't overly competitive, but it was a fun way to, uh, to spend time. I planted trees in the summer and I spent a summer in Halifax when I was done and not playing baseball. And uh, that was a really fun summer in, in Halifax. And we played Burby all the time. And it was just kind of a way to, uh, I don't know, there were a bunch of guys who didn't really know how to play, but it was just more about hanging out and doing that. So we played in us uh, in, in Halifax. And then in Australia, it was great. I, I was playing baseball down there. I did a bit. So you, you went to Australia just to play baseball? Uh, so I went there to do more school. And then um, so I went down there to, to, to go to go to grad school. And uh, I remember on my very first day in Australia, I was walking to I was living on the first day at the university, there was a hotel at the university. And I was walking to go. Uh, and I looked up at a, like an apartment rental thing. And so I walked to the apartment rental. And uh, I was chatting with the lady who was renting me the place and I decided to take it. And as I was walking back, there was a park across the street. And there were guys playing baseball. I'm like, this is crazy. That's not what I was expecting. So I immediately walk over there. And there's a bunch of Japanese guys playing baseball. And, uh, you know, they went to the university too. They were studying like um, language, uh, English language. And I spoke with one of the guys and they're like, oh, you play baseball. I'm like, yeah, I used to be a pitcher. And they, I was in my Birkenstocks. They're like, why don't you throw a pitch right now? <laughs> they were taking BP. And so I, I threw BP and they're like, would you like to join our baseball team? And it turned out to be like a traveling team on a bus. And we traveled all over um, the East Coast of Australia playing. Wow in Toowoomba and uh, a whole bunch of places. So I got to see a whole bunch of Australia that I definitely wouldn't have gotten to do if I didn't happen to even, you know, that like look up that for rent sign and happen to walk there. So it's funny how things happen. I remember telling my mom and she ended up shipping me all of my stuff, my cleats and my, my glove and my, I think I bought a cup there, but uh, everything else my mom sent me and I had no idea that that was going to be part of the, the, the experience, but it turned out to be a, an absolutely amazing Massive, massive part of the thing. And then we would end up playing Burby on the back of the bus. We had uh, 
we used it as the backstop and we would throw tennis balls against it and do BP and that sort of thing. And they thought that that was really cool. So yeah, technically I played Burby in a, in a different hemisphere. So that was pretty cool. Now I know some of the baseball guys and, and the Burby guys are probably thinking, you know, you keep switching back and forth between baseball and Burby. Uh, was there any worry that, you know, you're going to hurt your arm if you're throwing a tennis ball and then the next day throwing a, a hard ball? I got to be honest with you, like in my teens and my 20s, uh, yeah, my, my I don't know, I was pitching down there and my, I had like a rubber arm and I, I was in much better shape. And so then there was no recovery time like there is now. Now I'm, this is, this is over half of my life ago now. And if I throw 10 pitches, it, it hurts the next day. So yeah, you need like a month to recover. Yeah, I can't even put a seatbelt on in my car. I got to drive because if I'm in the passenger seat, I can't reach back and grab the uh, wow. seatbelt to put on. Yeah, it's just, yeah, my body yeah. hurts. My friend, you need some yoga. Uh, okay, so from Australia, you come back to Toronto and you hear about the TBL. You were one of the originals. What were your thoughts when you heard that there was an actual Burby League? Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. So when I first got back, I met up with my buddies who, you know, who are still my friends who I played baseball with. So we were playing Burby at Jackman still like in our early 20s. And I remember talking with you on the phone and talking about how you're getting this league together. And uh, I knew one of my buddies would would be interested in this. The, the other guys I was playing baseball with, they were either leaving town or starting their careers or this sort of thing. But I had an idea of who I was going to ask to kind of play because I, I logged a whole bunch of time and he always had time for Burby. And so I'm like, this could be really cool. And I remember coming out to some of the first scrimmage games. And I think Joe and I took on maybe you and Rocky and Leach. And um, I knew like right away, like Leach was pitching to us on the first day. I'm like, this is legit. Like this guy throws absolute gas. This is like, so right from like the very first pitch of Burby, I'm like, this, this could be really cool. And I ended up playing, um, I had played uh, high school baseball with Rocky. We went to the same high school. And right. he, pitched, he pitched for us there. So I knew him as well. And I'm like, there's some, like, even right from the outset here, there's some really, really talented players. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it was, it was a mishmash of talent. I mean, uh, you know, you had the West End 22s and then you had another team called the SSKs. What does SSK stand for again, Ashley? Oh yeah. Well, that was a, it was a bit of a play on words. So we were the, the SSKs were the Sudbury Saturday nights. Yes. It just so happened that um, SSK is a big baseball company from Japan. And so when I played on this Japanese baseball team, all the guys had like SSK gloves and gears, ah. and this Sasaki sports corporation. So we used their logo and um, anyway, we thought that that's a little so fact I did not know about until now. Yeah, so SSKs is actually a, a Japanese baseball company. And we, so we, we, we took that logo and put it on our shirts. And then um, we thought Sudbury Saturday nights was funny. Joe was living on Sudbury Street. And so it, it all made sense to us. And, and yeah, and you guys certainly liked Stompin' Tom Connors as well, right? Uh, yeah, I, I am a big fan of Stompin' Tom. Was, wasn't that his song? Was that it? No? Slippery Saturday Night's Stompin' Tom Connors. Yeah, two in an ad, it's a good one, too. That's right. Uh, and so you guys pretty much dominated. And so as a commissioner, you know, um, a lot of times I've got to change rules as the league is developing. So you had guys just showing up that maybe didn't even play baseball. And then when you have those people facing somebody like yourself or Joe or Kevin, there's a bit of a mismatch there. So you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, having the, the two divisions, the, the Kings and the Premier, 
and sort of separating it so that, you know, it's, it's not, there's not one team or two teams dominating. Yeah, well, I, I think that the if, if the demand's there to have that many teams and you can break it up, then, then that's just a, a testament to how cool it was, right? In those early days, uh, the first couple of years, like there weren't enough teams involved. And as kind of the word spread and more people wanted to get involved, um, yeah, I can't imagine it was an easy task for you, but it does make sense, right? Like even today, it's, it's tough looks when you, like each of the teams in the premier, and I think it's always been this way, have always had like one stud arm and that that's kind of, carried the team and um, you know there are lots of games in the early days but even still today like I look at some of the box scores and it'll be a super tight game because the pitching is is still good and it always has been good and and not everybody can hit that and so um, you know that's something that's happened since day one though I remember facing Leach and I had faced Joe a bunch of times and I've always had some good success hitting against Joe and you know Leach was throwing gas like Joe can throw him like this is this is legit and all of the teams in the premier, I guess they always have, and they, they still do have that one pitcher. That's just like, man, this is, these are tough looks. And I think that that's why baseball guys really like coming to play Burby. Cause they're like, Oh, Burby, what, what is this? Or, and then they come and they see the quality of the pitching. And not only that, there are so few guys on the teams that you're getting like eight or nine at bats a game against some really good pitching. Like who doesn't like that? I, I certainly do. Keeps yeah. Back. Yeah. And I, I think maybe uh, people would just sort of maybe if, if they don't know too much about Burby, they would sort of uh, compare it to, let's say, wiffle ball or something. And this is not crazy movement. I mean, there is some movement on the ball, but this really is, I think, as close to like MLB speed and reaction as you're as you have to get. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, uh yeah, a guy who's got good command with his fastball, it, it doesn't really matter what league you're in. It would be at baseball or Burby. That's like a winning success. And there are lots of guys in our league who can do that ever since like day one. They can command the strike zone and throw gas by you. You've got less time to react because the mound is closer. And I don't know, that sort of challenge keeps me coming back. I, I love those looks. And even if I don't get a bunch of hits, that's okay, because that's still a, a good time playing Burby with your friends and getting some quality looks off a good picture like that's that's awesome to me yeah i was talking with sean leia uh of the birch uh birch Cliff bears and he just said wow i i love coming out to this the competition is so good uh you know and, and it, it is the, the competition is ridiculous both in the kings and the premier so uh a, a question for you is um at the senior level of baseball so you know how guys will travel with senior teams does the ball come in faster during a contested burby game or a senior baseball game that's a good question right like when when i was towards the end of my baseball career like this was in my mid-20s right there were some guys who threw gas but also like you know there's a bunch of different situations when you're when you're pitching on a mound right and there's runners on base and that sort of thing and you know you get a lot of guys who were playing into their 30s who can still win games based on location and uh, maybe not so much in Burby, like a, a crafty guy who throws off speed with good location. I don't think that that's as, as commanding or as effective as a guy who throws gas. And, uh, yeah. you know, that time and time again, gas seems to win. And each team has got an ace who can throw gas. And it seems to be like the, the parody or like the, 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 the principle that brings everything back to having close games. When, the, when I finished playing baseball, there were crafty veterans throwing like off-speed junk and still being quite effective but that doesn't necessarily work in the 
in, in the Premier League of Verbi. Um, and I can speak to that because I came in trying to throw junk and maybe it worked for an inning because it was a nice compliment to Joe, but uh, I don't know. Throwing seven innings of junk is uh, it's tricky to get a win in Verbi doing that. Yeah, you almost have to be the guy starting uh, because you it'll that junk will certainly look like a beach ball compared to uh, Joe Callahan's stuff if he's already gone for five innings. That's for sure. Uh, but you know, I, I pitched the past couple of years here and there, and I still find that if you've got command of the fastball, that's the way to uh, to be able to have some sort of success making the yes. fastball around a little bit. Now you play for the Roncesvalles Rockets right now. Uh, yeah. Tell us, tell us a little bit about. It was interesting because when you came into the TBL, you were no longer with the SSK. You were no longer with the Western Twenty Twos. They were long gone. You were just happy to get in and play a game. What's the team that you 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 came to play with? Oh yes, yeah. so uh, I played with Gino and Rob San Francesco. Oh yeah, and so that was a cool team. We're, we were the Cliffside Heights, I guess. When I I came in for one year and, and did that, and those those guys were were great guys. They they played at a park right by my house, and uh, I had some time to uh, to come back to the Burby League, and uh, Burby League welcomed me back. So it was nice to play with those guys. And, um, you know, they were crafty, uh, you know, Gino and, and San Francisco through strikes and we got a lot of hits, but we, it didn't, uh, it didn't account to a ton of wins. Um, and we needed another arm basically because San Francisco was moving on. And so there was a trade, uh, and, it, between me and the, so I think the trade was me for Marcus Bellardi. And so Bellardi still plays on that team and he's turned into their pitching ace, which they needed. And I went to Roncesvalles who were stacked with pitching and uh, they got an extra hitter. And um, yeah, my first uh, year back with Joel, uh, we, we, we won. I think that was like 2017. And so there was some instant success on that trade. And then that trade continues to be great for Cliffside. Yes. And, and that trade continues to be the first and only trade ever in the TBL. It's one thing for a, for a player to sort of leave a team and then join another. But this was the first ever trade i remember it going down uh you look at both the teams they both need something and i i think it worked out for both teams right yeah i mean Bellardi continues to be like an absolute dominating force on the mound like he's the guy i have the hardest time hitting he's, he's got a couple of pitches and uh and you know arguably going the other way like i went to roncesvalle and we won our first and only championship that year that i went there and so some Fresh blood maybe did the trick. We had some the right hitting and the right pitching over there. We we didn't need a second pitcher because Joe was uh, Joe was in his prime five years ago. Still still throwing absolute smoke. Uh, he's throwing smoke this year. I'm pretty sure he's uh, he'll be fine this year. So when you won that championship, was it during that year or the next year that you ran into some some health issues? Yeah, I probably should have retired after that um, after that uh, uh, championship season because I came back the next year and I thought um, like I couldn't pick up the ball. I remember the first game of the year when we were defending our championship, we were playing um, Cedar Bray and I was facing Aaron Sufi, who, who's good. He throws strikes, but I couldn't see the ball. And I'm like, man, I, and I think I, I got a hit but it was more luck than judgment. And I was like looking at pitches that were like cock shots. I'm like, what's going on? And I remember my buddy Troy there was like, what are you doing? And um, so anyway, I couldn't pick up the ball. And so I went and I noticed um, when I was driving at night, I was seeing like all these rings, like this glare was happening. Right. And so I went to the, 
the uh, optometrist right by my office here thinking like, oh, you're in your 40s now and they're going to give you some reading glasses. And they're like, whoa, 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 this is this is something else. I'm like, what are you talking about? And so I got diagnosed with uh, with cataracts and uh, I ended up having uh, I, I took the year off and I had cataract surgery the following year and they did one eye at a time. And I remember the day after the first surgery, I remember waking up and looking in the mirror and it's like I had like 4K vision, like a 4K TV. And the other eye, which was the good one of the two, uh, it looked like I was looking out of like a smeared windshield. It was terrible. And so you don't know what you don't know, but my eyes weren't particularly great. And so I got both of the eyes done and then came back the following year. And I did pretty good last year. I was able to pick up the ball pretty good and drop some bombs and, and had some good time. I had some scheduling issues. I only played about half the season, but I, I managed to, uh, to put some hits together. And it was just nice to be back out there and see the ball and, and hang out with my buddies. So um so, yeah. Last point on the cataracts, uh, because, you know, that's a life changer. What what went through your mind when you found out you had some major problems and you're going to have to have surgery? Yeah, I was, uh, I'm not going to lie, like there was some fear involved with that and like fear of the unknown. And like, I'm, I, I, I like reverted to being a child in my mind. I'm like, they're going to stick a needle in my eye. This is going to be terrible. But um, I went to um, like the Kensington Eye Institute, which is at uh, U of T. And there was like a, a young doctor who was a little bit younger than me. And they're like, listen, we don't get many people in here and like who are 40 who have cataracts. So can we do like a study on this? And he totally talked me off the ledge and um, we did a whole bunch of tests. And then the day uh, that I had the cataract surgery, they gave me fentanyl. Like they had a, what's it called? The, the guy who does the anesthesiologist gave me right. fentanyl. And it was crazy. I went from being scared to completely being interested in what was going on so much. So they were like, sir, could you please stop talking? Like I was asking all these <laughs> questions. They're like, listen, we're going to cut your eyeball out here. So please stop talking. And uh, I was, that was totally into it all there. Just a, like the snap of a, of a wow. button I'm putting some fentanyl in there. So anyway, fast forward and my eyes are, are great now. Uh, I don't need reading glasses and I can pick up the ball. I'm playing my first game of the year on Saturday and I'm, I'm facing, uh, we're, we're facing uh, um, Dave Atkinson. So we'll see how I pick up the ball. It's been a while. Perfect. I guess now. the only, uh, the drawback is now you're addicted to fentanyl. Yeah. I mean, you know, I heard a lot of bad <laughs> stuff about fentanyl and it's terrible, but uh, pro properly administered. It's uh, it's a game changer. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I was going to say you, you haven't played uh, a whole lot the past two or three years. Uh, I guess talk about the the impact. You've got kids. Uh, what, what's the impact on on your schedule now? And and does that does that pain you to not being a full time player anymore? Yeah, it's a tough one, right? I mean, uh, like I, we're doing we're like just so whoever's listening to this, like it is like noon or one o'clock on a work day, and that's really when I've got the most time, right? Like I've got a couple kids that I pick up from school and. Uh, it's tough for me, right? Because they've got stuff going on too. They're like five and 10. And so my daughter's got whatever going on on the weekend. Like I, there's not going to be that much time in my life where I'm going to miss, like, I, I don't know, I got responsibilities. And so sometimes it opens up where I can play. And uh, last year I managed to make six of the games. So I was able to play in the playoffs and my wife and daughter are like really supportive. They're like, go out and play. But there's just certain times where maybe we're going out of town or something like this. So I can't do it. So we signed a few extra guys on our roster to try and uh, weather the storm. Cause I'm pretty sure everybody on the, on the rockets has, has got kids at least. I don't know. We probably have the most kids in the league. If you count up all the kids that we have. So it's been, probably. it's been tricky getting a, a, a schedule together. It's certainly not uh, as easy as it once was. Uh, there's some, some guilt associated with being a, a, 
husband and a, and a father that I wasn't expecting. But, um, you know, I'm kind of on borrowed time with these kids, you know, so, um, you know, I, they've got things going on that, that I got to attend and it gets in the way of Burpee sometimes. Is that's, there a, and, that's, it, and that's okay. Is there a thinking that once they get to a certain age, you'll be able to play more Burpee? Well, I do. I must admit that the older they get, the easier parenting gets in a certain way. So it gives me a little bit of time back because they're able to kind of play with themselves and do that. So hopefully the answer to that is yes. I don't know if that's going to coincide with my body being able to last, but uh, I'll let you know after Saturday how things right. are going on Sunday. Now, yeah, speaking of your body, do you ever uh, think about the sport of Burby and actually try and get in shape so that you could excel specifically at burby uh, that's interesting i don't think that i've done it specifically for burby though i would say that it's probably the most high intensive workout that i do uh in, in all the things that i do like i've got a streak going with like push-ups and certain things that i do and i'm in better shape at 40 than i am at 30 so i'm, I'm happy about that but um it's just such high impact that i don't know how you prepare for that like Last summer, we played a scrimmage, and I think I ate about 10 Motrin, and I pitched six innings against the Rockets, <laughs> and I felt pretty good, like, on the mound, right? Well, of course like, you did. You had 10 and, Motrin in you. And not only that, like, as the innings went by, I got even better, right? And I noticed that in the league, too. Like, you got to get on some of these pitchers early, because once they start warming up by, like, the third or fourth inning, they become even more untouchable. And I'm not saying that I was in that situation, but I did experience you know, the third and the fourth inning feeling stronger than when I started. But I don't know that there's a way to, um, at least I can only speak for myself when I say this, like for me to prepare for Burby, it's just such high impact that I don't, there's not anything that I do in my workout during the week that's specifically for that. But I think it complements it, right? And um, I do swing a bat at home, you know, when I'm outside or doing this sort of thing. So I kind of keep loose doing that, but um, yeah, there's no specific burby. There, there's nothing that can prepare you for pitching six innings and how your body is going to react to that. I, I just, I, I don't think so. Right. Okay. Quick rapid fire. We've got a couple minutes left. Uh, the pitcher you uh, love to face and don't say Joe Callahan because he's on your team. Uh, I like to face Kevin Leach. I mean, right from the very first day he throws gas and we're like, 12 years later and he's still throwing like absolute gas and I like hitting a fastball and I have a feeling what he throws is probably going to be a fastball and I'm guessing location and I kind of I like that uh, but yeah just the history between he and I he's always been good and uh, you know he makes time stand still it's 12 years later and the guy's still just as good it's awesome and I think you mentioned this before the pitcher that you least like uh, to face. Yeah, Bellardi wipes me out, man. The guy's got a couple of dirty pitches that sink, and it's really hard to hit. I don't, I don't know that I have very many hits against him if I go back and look at the stats. Your all-time favorite Blue Jay? Oh, Tony Fernandez. Boom. Same with me. I think everyone loves Tony Fernandez. Why do you? Why did you love Tony Fernandez? Silky smooth, man. Like he made shortstop look easy, and he yeah. was a switch hitter, and he got lots of hits. And he was just a great Blue Jay. Well, I mean, he had the he had the, he always had the slap singles, which I I think is a total art that is lost, especially with today's shift. You need a nice slap single to keep everybody honest. I totally agree. I think that they should exploit that shift more. I don't know. I, I think ego gets in the way, and everybody wants to drop a bomb. If I'm a baseball coach, I'm probably saying just hit a soft ground ball down the third baseline and get on base well what what really irked me is when they started this shift what three four five years ago and guys would just sort of slap it to the open space the pitcher would get all pissed off it's like really you got to shift on and, and as a pitcher you're getting pissed off that the guy is sending it off to the open space like the whole thing is just weird 
Yeah, I mean, that sounds like good baseball to me. Exactly. Favorite chocolate bar of all time? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I think anything that's like chocolate and mint, I'll eat. So what is it, After 8? Those are pretty good. Those don't last very long. I love After 8. The chocolate bar that you used to eat that everyone used to hate. Oh, Big Turk. I still chew them. When I was a kid, I used to eat Big Turk because I, I felt like I was chewing tobacco. Oh, yeah. A little Turkish delight. All right, man. That is it. Well, wow, nice. A lot of information there. We, we just couldn't even catch our breath. Uh, thanks for joining us, Ashley. How do you think it went? Well, thanks for having me. It's always fun to talk about Burby. And uh, I don't know, the trip down memory lane, I've been in the league a long time and there's lots of good memories. And um, yeah, it's still going strong as something I like to do. So thanks for having me. Yes, guy. This has been Ashley Allenson's life. Uh, <laughs> thanks for uh, showing up and, and tune in next time. We've got a special guest. Well, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but uh, uh, it's going to be it's going to be something. So thanks for tuning in for another edition of the TBL podcast. And we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the TBL podcast with the Commission.